I do care deeply about your diastasis. But what I care about more is putting your body in a position so that your diastasis can heal. It doesn't matter what the measurement is right now. It doesn't matter that you're coning right now because we can't do anything to your abs directly that are gonna is gonna change that. We have to change how the ribs are moving. We have to change how your hamstrings are anchoring your pelvis. It's this idea of being able to look at the bigger picture and understand how it all works together. This is Pros Talk Pregnancy, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. I'm talking with visionaries and game changers who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mom of four, lover of the mountains, seeker of knowledge, exercise physiologist, birth doula, and childbirth educator. Basically, I'm an all-around pregnancy and birth nerd. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better and empowering professionals and families alike. Are you ready? Let's go. Let me paint you a picture. You give birth. You have your amazing newborn or newborns. And now your newborn is assessed, you are assessed. They make sure that you are both healthy before they send you home. Your bleeding is assessed, you're taught general baby care and how to feed the baby, and then you're told to take it easy, we'll see you at six weeks. Now your six-week visit is here. You are generally assessed, it usually takes pretty quick, five to ten minutes, and then you're given medical clearance to resume exercise. So, hey, don't exercise for six weeks, don't move, take it easy to go for it. Now, is this really what's best for our recovery from pregnancy and birth? Why is it so different than any other big physical event? If you were to undergo any other major abdominal surgery or major physical feat, such as birth, you would be given a progressive rehab protocol to get you back to the things you love. But why is it so different with pregnancy and birth? We are given very little guidance on what to do. And Haley and I call BS on that whole approach. And I brought Haley Kava on to the podcast so we could talk about what is really best for those first six weeks. What should we do? What should we not do? How can we slowly and mindfully progress our clients back to the stuff they love without prolapse, incontinence, diastasis recti? These are real big concerns that our providers are not often telling us about, are not often giving us the proper referrals, the proper information, and we know that there is better out there. Join us in this podcast in discussing what we should be doing for our clients in those first six weeks postpartum to jumpstart their recovery process, to get them back to the things they love without pain and dysfunction. Without further ado, here is the episode. Welcome everyone to the podcast. Today we have Haley Kava and Haley never wanted to be a pelvic floor physical therapist. She has been an athlete her whole life and working with athletes was her passion. Me too. So this will be fun to talk about (laughs) until she gave birth for the first time and realized that labor, birth, and postpartum recovery 
was the most physically and emotionally demanding thing that she has ever done. I also agree. (laughs) Through navigating her own recovery, she realized that all people with pelvic floors deserve more information and empowerment about how to address their common but often taboo issues. Haley Kava became a pelvic floor PT. She never thought she would be. And Haley Kava PT was born. So welcome, Haley. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. So, okay. First of all, we have to say that we met on Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is so funny how I love how the internet just brings people together. Yeah. And I I think we were, we were both doing Instagram. Like we kind of both got on the Instagram real bandwagon at the Mm -hmm. same time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we were doing, you know, like you do lots of like funny, but relatable pelvic health videos, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. What has been like your most popular video? So so my most popular video was the one I did about fecal smearing. Oh, (laughs) of course. Everyone wants to hear about poop. So it was like a sound bite of, um, Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. Um, having to like wipe, like wipe your butt and wipe your butt and wipe your butt. And there, I think it was the audience that really took off with that was more people who were like, you need a bidet, you need a bidet, you need a bidet. And I was like, sure. Yeah. Bidet is great. But if you have pelvic floor problems, that's also going to be why you can't get your butt clean. (laughs) It's good for people to know. Yeah. Yeah. And that it is a sign. It's a sign that, that something's going on. And so um, so yeah, that has been, that had like 3 million plus. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, here's the thing. Cause so that brings us into a very important topic, which is we like to address the symptom, right? We like to say you have pelvic floor issues, do Kegels, you have fecal smearing, get a bidet, you have diastasis recti, engage your core a million times a day. And it's not necessarily maybe the best approach yeah or looking at the whole at the whole picture um yeah yeah exactly Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so um so today first let's hear so we heard you were an athlete I want to hear more Mm -hmm. about that like what so obviously I had this similar experience of like going through pregnancy and realizing as an exercise science person like this is not really talked about this is not really supported well and you know like athletes you know you get it you get an injury and you have this whole protocol or you train for this sport in a very specific way Mm -hmm. and then you you probably I'm assuming you got a similar experience to me as like well pregnancy is such a demanding thing why are we not yeah absolutely so tell me about that yeah so I think there there's so much um, like fear around pregnant people. So even, so before I was pregnant the first time, I'd always be a little bit nervous if uh, I had like an orthopedic patient who was also pregnant, just because you're, you don't want to do anything. That's like, you don't want to hurt anybody. And when you don't know, it is really kind of scary. So people are maybe a little bit gentler. And then that gives that pregnant person this feeling like, Oh, I have to take it easy. I have to um, you know, rest. And, um, then when I was pregnant, so, uh, I practice as, um, my, my overarching practice is rooted in postural restoration. 
mm-hmm. which is just a subspecialty of physical therapy that gives you a framework to look at the assess the whole body. And um, so I was practicing this in my first pregnancy and uh, some of the techniques we do are fairly aggressive on the rib cage. Um, so getting the ribs really moving to optimize the diaphragm function. And so, good. And so then when I was pregnant, I was like, press on those ribs. Man. <laughs> like, yeah, the ribs are like, so important. I, like, I don't want to be, it, I feel so much better when I can get my ribs down and I can expand my back and side body and I can really feel my abs properly engage and coordinate. And so that was really eye-opening to how we, we don't need to be so delicate with pregnant people. Mm-hmm. And we all, same thing in the postpartum period. We don't need to be so zero to 60 in that recovery period. We need to approach it like a sports injury, right? Yeah. A post-op day one ACL tear, you're you're doing um, isometric exercises. You're starting to um, work on muscles surrounding the knee joint. You know, optimizing gait pattern. And so, why why are we doing this? You know, our <laughs> if people could see floor, us, we're like, yes, ah. yeah. Our pelvic floor stretches like three hundred times its resting length. So yeah, if yeah. you did that to your hamstring you would get some rehab. Yeah. It's it's amazing. And I remember, so I had my first baby in 2007 and um, there was no discussion from my midwife about anything to do with my core, anything to do with my pelvic floor. And then thinking about that six week visit. So I was actually shocked. So, you know, I had the baby and then I'm in the hospital. They give me a little bit of like education. It was basically watch this video about how to not shake your baby. Yeah. basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, are you good with taking care of this baby? That's about it. And so I was 21 years old, sent home with a brand new baby and they didn't really, I mean, they checked my bleeding to make sure my bleeding was okay. But then it was basically like, okay, here you go. And then there was no, nothing for me. You know, there's baby visits. Mm -hmm. but there was nothing for me until that six week visit. And that six week visit also no discussion on either of those things. I don't Mm -hmm. even remember. I mean, it's been a while. I don't even remember what was even discussed and it was probably maybe five, 10 minutes long. Yeah. And the, and the, the thing that just makes me so upset with that, that six week visit is that the habits and the patterns have already started to become ingrained. So, so the, the changes that you've gone through throughout pregnancy, the changes in your rib cage, the changes in your pelvis, the changes in your pelvic floor and core, um, that is normal part of pregnancy, but we don't want to keep living like we're pregnant (laughs) in the postpartum. And then by six weeks, it sometimes has become like our new normal, our new normal of walking in that more like externally rotated hip position, more rib flare position. And so then if we're just starting at six weeks, it is more difficult to, it's not impossible, but it just means that we're starting from zero versus kind of gradually grading ourselves up. There's, I think, yeah, I think there's an opportunity, right? That first six weeks, there's so much that could be done. And it doesn't mean just jumping back to exercise. Cause I will see people say, Oh, I got my first postpartum run and they're two weeks postpartum, but they're, so it's not saying just to start back exercise right away, but gosh, six weeks. If, if, like you said, that big stretch. Yeah. There's opportunity really to learn about your body yeah. and 
even change habits that predated pregnancy. Right. So, right. so, um, you know, I see these, these types of patterns and asymmetries and compensations in everyone, not just in pregnancy, they just get exaggerated in pregnancy. Right. Um, exactly. and so, and so, um, yeah, thinking of it as really like an op- yeah, really an opportunity to get better. Yeah, honestly. optimize like, your healing, like kickstart your healing. Mm-hmm. So, what do you say? Uh, what what is your ideal way that someone is supporting their body in the first six weeks? Like, what what do you start with, and how do you progress? Start with reestablishing thoracic movement and pelvic movement. Mm. So, um, via the diaphragm, uh, uh so that, you know, the diaphragm attaches on the front of our rib cage domes all the way up and then attaches on our spine and it attaches further down on the spine on the right than it does on the left. Okay. And so, so we have our liver on the right, we have our stomach on the left, our heart kind of presses down on the diaphragm on the left. And so there are built-in anatomical asymmetries that we have that we know that are going to impact how our musculoskeletal system functions and our posture and our alignment. Some people are more impacted by that than others, but that's sort of what's unique again in that postpartum period is, is an opportunity to take again, some of these patterns and asymmetries that have always existed and like get do better. So, um, really like supported breathing positions, supported sitting positions, um, pelvic floor awareness and rest, good nutrition, bowel habits, good bladder habits, you know, all of those things that are going to be really supportive of, of healing. I, my clients, I send them before they have their baby. We usually do like a a labor prep visit and then a um, postpartum prep visit before they have the baby. That's amazing. And you know, the example I give with that is preparing for the wedding and preparing for the marriage. There's there's nothing wrong with wanting an amazing wedding or amazing birth, or you should prepare for your wedding and your birth. But like, remember, there's, 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 more. there's an after time <laughs> I joke, forever. So you yeah, want to make sure you're ready for it. Yeah. I joke that like after your, yeah, after your first kid, especially it's like, this is the after and there's yeah. no, there's no going back to the way yeah. life was before. And, and so, yeah, if we're not giving that enough energy. So those, those videos actually that I sent to my clients are videos of me like hours after giving birth. Oh, that's amazing. Um, And and you had the ability. Wow. I just was like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like three, it's like three or four exercises of of different, like different bed mobility activity, different, um, just things to kind of start with, um, and mainly really gentle breathing. Um, and they feel amazing. They actually so helpful. I mean, if, if you think about how, I mean, you should be in bed, right? You should be resting. You Mm -hmm. have a placenta sized wound inside your uterus. So this Mm -hmm. is not saying like, go exercise and don't rest, but you need, you can, you can do things from bed and it's Mm -hmm. like gentle mobilization stuff. We are, our protocol is called the daily seven. And it's really like, you think chest opening, think of how hunched for that new, Mm -hmm. uh, new parent is they're getting so much tension in their chest wall, so much 
their back is all rounded. We're slumped mm-hmm. forward into a tucked pelvis. Mm-hmm. So the body mm-hmm. can get really, if you're doing that for six weeks, mm-hmm. the body can get really stuck. Yeah. Right? I think, I think something that I like to always illuminate is that you have had, um, a big, um, uterus, um, acting to oppose your diaphragm yeah. in your ab wall for the last, you know, for the, the number of months in pregnancy. So now that's all like shifting downwards and now our, our breathing and our, our diaphragm doesn't have that same support. Yeah. Um, actually our tidal volume is greater in pregnancy than it is in, in postpartum. And so we need to restore, restore that. Yes. Um, and that also plays a big role in preventing and managing like the descent of organs into, um, into our yes so good and and i find do you find i don't know why it is i mean i do know why it is but like two to three weeks postpartum everyone and i my my theory is like they're starting to move more get back with their life they everyone inevitably goes oh my gosh my pelvic floor feels so heavy yeah or i have prolapse i looked and there's this bulge and i'm like it's okay (laughs) yes maybe you do maybe you don't You're not, you, you, your life is not over. But I get it. If you started yeah. feeling and you were like, I felt okay. And now it's two, three weeks postpartum. Something's not right. Yeah. So how I kind of describe it. I, w- I wish I had a toilet paper roll here. How I describe <laughs> it is like your vaginal canal is like a toilet paper roll. It's muscular, but not really like it's a thin muscular wall. Mm. When you give birth at the end of pregnancy, even if you don't have a vaginal birth, that um, vaginal wall, it's like you've mashed up the toilet paper roll. So now mm-hmm. it doesn't have the same tensegrity, if that's okay. the, yeah, yeah. So, so again, and now all of these organs that have been kind of held up by the uterus are not, are not getting that same support. Right. So it's, it is normal to feel like those, the bladder and the rectum are pushing on the vaginal wall but that is a sign for us. That is a Mm -hmm. sign that we need to optimize some things before we progress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think mindful progression is the key to postpartum recovery. We can't just rest for six weeks and then go back to running or go back to CrossFit. So so okay. So we talked about those first six weeks. So let's talk about the I'm putting like little parentheses with my fingers, like the medical clearance to exercise at six at the six. So typically six weeks is when you go to your prenatal visit or your postpartum visit. And basically, I don't know that they ask you a lot of questions, but it's like, this is now, now you're like allowed to exercise. Yeah. Like go, go forth and do your routine. Yeah. So my, my, perspective on that is because I've talked to, I have a couple of friends who are OBs and, and they always usually have guilt about this. Like, Oh, yeah. we just get this, like, we get this bad rap for, for whatever. And yeah. It's not, it's not anything is, on them. It's not, I like, yeah, not you're, they're, they're an organ expert. Yeah. So at that six weeks, what they're telling you is that your uterus has healed, like your uterus, um, has returned to a reasonable size and the wound inside of your, your uterus from the placenta is healed. So your risk of infection mm-hmm. is low. Yes. 
it's not a statement on your muscle readiness. It's not a statement on your pelvic floor function, your pelvic organ position, even usually. And so, so we need to take that you're clear for sex. Basically, it's basically saying you're not going to get a uterine infection if you have intercourse. So, um, so we need almost, it almost needs to that, that perspective needs to change on like what is actually being cleared for you. Yes. Weeks. This is not a, yeah, this is not clearance for running like, or clearance for hit workouts or even sometimes like aggressive walking. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it depends on the person so much. On what, yeah. Uh, depending on your birth, depending on how you're feeling, depending on all sorts of different factors. And so, um, that's where the, you know, the muscle experts are really important. So mm-hmm. whether that's a strength coach, whether that's a, um, exercise physiologist, a physical therapist, you know, yeah. to get that, that muscle, then that muscle clearance essentially. Yeah. I mean, it would be amazing if in our society, and I know it does happen in some countries more than ours. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both in the United States. Um, actually we're both in Minnesota. Yeah. We didn't even say that. I didn't even think <laughs> right. about that in the forgot. intro. So yeah. we met on Instagram yeah. and then you happened to move to yeah. Minneapolis where I live. And yeah, so we had I think we started, something. started chatting when, when I had said, Oh, we're, we're heading to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so anyone listening who is local to me, like we have an amazing new pelvic PT in our midst. So, yeah. and yeah. you do in-person I'm, work as well. I, I'm in person in St. Louis park and then yeah. And virtual, um, yeah. I've been so impressed by the like birth community here. Yeah, like, I know uh, it's, it's super been, cool. Been really cool. Yeah. 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 It's cool. But anyway, that was an aside. I, I think, where are we talking about? We were talking about, oh, that medical clearance. So it would be amazing. And they do it in other countries where, um, every postpartum person just got a pelvic PT, OT, whoever does internal work, got an assessment. So you Mm -hmm. just have your baseline. You just Mm -hmm. have like, this is where you're at. And here's a safe progression that is for you personally. Mm -hmm. How amazing would that be? Absolutely. I don't know how, I don't know how to make that change. I mean, we, we need to get, I think it's just more professionals being aware that mm -hmm. this is a need Mm -hmm. for everyone. Absolutely. That it's that we want to make it accessible and, um, yeah. And realize the, you know, when you start looking at the economics of this, as boring as that is, I know the, the economics of long-term urinary incontinence is crazy. Um, you know, pads, buying pads the rest of your life, like that's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars having surgery. Maybe it's for a sling surgery or, um, other procedures for your bladder. Like we think about the cost benefit where a couple sessions of physical therapy, relatively, the cost is very low compared to the life, lifelong, um, issues, but that's, that's sometimes hard to, to sell. Preventative medicine is sometimes hard to sell. It is. And, you know, we're both, we're both preventative workers, you know, preventing issues during pregnancy is so important. And then helping rehab smartly postpartum. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, even if somebody does end up needing surgery for prolapse, it's so much more likely to fail. The surgery isn't like a, 
Right. It's not necessarily going to be the perfect solution for everyone. I always say if someone's still, there's nothing wrong with getting a surgery if you need it, but if you can also make sure that your body is optimized, you're going to be able to hold, so to speak, that surgery so much better. Exactly. It's, I mean, we know this for every other type of orthopedic surgery. We know ACLs do better when they have prehab and they have rehab. This episode is brought to you by the Body Ready Method, our game-changing, interactive, fully online course for perinatal and birth professionals who want to elevate the way they serve their clients. We teach you how to help your clients prepare their bodies for a more functional pregnancy and efficient birth, and teach you what to do when, during birth, through the lens of birth biomechanics. Gain confidence and new skills to support your clients. Sign up for the waitlist for our next cohort at bodyreadymethod.com. We know that when they have early access to physical therapy, we, you know, anything and, yeah, anything. and that, um, or like prevention of joint replacements and all of these things with just a little bit of education, information and exercise. And, and so really for me, prolapse being such a pressure mediated issue, yes. if we're not addressing the underlying cause, yeah. then it's not going to work because we surgery innately is going to weaken structures. Even if we're adding support is the process of how our body responds to surgery is that it's actually, you know, it's a trauma, it's planned yeah, trauma to yeah. the body. And so, so if we're not addressing those, those imbalances, those pressure issues, those um, back pain, like all of those things that are, yeah, our outcomes aren't going to be as, as effective. Yeah. Again, it's, it's looking at the symptom and addressing the symptom and not looking for the cause of the symptom. And mm-hmm. I think that we do that a lot in pregnancy too. Like, Oh, I have hip pain. So I'm just going to stretch my hip. I'm like, well, what if you have hip pain because your hip is underworked mm-hmm. and you have a different overworked issue. So you need to teach that muscle to start doing its job. I always say like, we, we, you can't stretch somebody and expect it to make someone else do their job. Like mm-hmm. all our muscles have a job to do. And if someone's not doing their job, another, not someone, I don't know. I call my, like my muscles are someone's, I guess <laughs> Like if one of my muscles isn't doing its job. This other guy is going to go, well, someone's got to do it. Like I'll do the job, even though it's not my job. So now I'm like overloaded and yeah, I see that in the, I see that in the public floor and even in the public floor PT world, a lot is that we'll have, say we find painful trigger points in a public floor. What does that, what does that mean though? Yeah. What does right? it mean? Because it's like taking your, I, I, I make fun of Theraguns because I think they're kind of silly, but yeah, I've never tried <laughs> like, one, but. but like you're going to beat the tar out of a muscle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or even really aggressive foam rolling. I love a good foam roll, but if we're not understanding the intent, so I want to release this muscle so that I can strengthen the muscles that oppose this pattern so that, 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 then that muscle can kind of stay chilled out, but perpetually having to, you know, uh, use a pelvic wand to release a trigger point in the pelvic floor, perpetually have your therapist release a tight muscle. Isn't a, um, uh, good long-term solution. It's right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's how I feel with a lot of body work. And I love body work. I love it. I think body work is amazing. It can help us get relief quicker, but Mm -hmm. I always say like, like any body work, I'm thinking like chiropractic massage, acupuncture, like all the things there's such amazing tools. We also have to think about, okay, I'm in the chiropractor for what, 10 minutes, or I'm getting my pelvic floor release for a certain length of time. Mm -hmm. Say it's even an hour I'm doing like, even my exercises, I'm doing my exercises for an hour. Well, what Mm -hmm. am I doing with my body for the rest of the day? Probably undoing all, probably doing the things that led to that issue in the first place. So if I can't, if I don't address what I'm, how I'm using my body throughout the day, like Mm -hmm. how effective is. Yeah, absolutely. Is the work. So I really like when I see like you do posture re-education. Like I love when people are addressing habits and I love when people are addressing alignment and like breathing, you have to breathe all day anyway. So Mm -hmm. you might as well understand like your breath can cause pelvic floor issues. It can, it, or can contribute to pelvic floor diastasis recti. Like there's our, let's talk. Do you want to talk breath? It's a whole, so we breathe 22,000 times a day. Oh, I didn't know that. So you have 22,000 opportunities to heal your pelvic floor. Love it. Or your core or your back pain or your neck pain or your shoulder pain. And and it, our, our breathing and how we breathe is driven not just by our diaphragm and our core. And that sometimes is where I lose people. <laughs> yeah, keep going. When I start talking about the tongue position. Mm, okay, it. so your tongue needs to be in the roof of your mouth because the roof of your mouth is the base of your nose. Okay. And when we can breathe and that supports our airway, our most essential function that we have control of is our breathing, but our nervous system wants to have enough oxygen. Absolutely. So it will always find a way to get more air or get what it feels like it is enough air. So if we are mouth open, neck forward, um, breathing through our mouth with our tongue low, it decreases the good quality of airflow that we have. Mm-hmm. And our nose humidifies the air. Our nose um, sensors are actually really close to our hypothalamus and some of our deep brain structures that help calm us down. So if we are mouth breathing, mouth open, forward head posture, shoulders forward, we're going to start to develop breathing patterns because our body's saying, uh-oh, we aren't getting enough air. And so we are maybe certain, depending on our different postural patterns we have, we're either pulling air in with our neck and shoulders, or we're pulling air with our back, right? In order, and in pregnancy with our diaphragm impacted and our rib cage impacted, we are sometimes trying to pull air in with our pelvic floor, you know, it's not really, but it's it's a whole pressurized system. And so we're creating tension in our back and in the back of the pelvic floor to help us feel like we're getting enough oxygen. Yeah. You know, I, I actually used to have one of the most popular blog posts I have, and it's since been down. It's like my old website, um, uh was the I'm pregnant and I can't take a deep enough breath podcast or, uh, blog post. And it was so popular because people just Google that. Yeah. I can't breathe. They they can feel that as, 
as the uterus is expanding and maybe there may be a belly breather. Yeah. Let's yeah. say there's another way that we breathe. That's less optimal, which people may say, well, I thought I was supposed to belly breathe, but mm-hmm. as the uterus grows up, they can't do their normal pattern. And maybe they have really a lot of restrictions around their rib cage where we want you to breathe three-dimensionally into your rib cage, but you because can't, maybe you have a tight bra or that's you where have your bones are exactly. <laughs> yeah. We, we should, our ribs have the ability to move. Mm-hmm. They should, but mm-hmm. modern life, we don't really use that. And then we have these tight bras that we wear and that those bras also inhibit that expansion. And I can't remember the exact degree, but the ribs do expand during pregnancy oh. as yep. an accommodation. So we can breathe. Yeah. So the efficiency of our the efficiency is altered and it's, so it's different than what we're used to. And so then, yeah, so then we're just driving all these different posture changes. We're driving all these different tension patterns. And, and so, um, so if we're just looking at the pelvic floor or we're just looking at the abs, it's like, well, hold on. (laughs) Well, we got to get your head on top of your body and then or your feet underneath you. And once we're there, then we can talk about your pelvic floor. Then we can talk about your abs. Um, but yeah, it's not always, it's not always as obvious as we might initially. Yeah. And it's not as sexy to be like, let's talk about your breathing. (laughs) Everyone's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's so many things like I will address someone's like foot position and they're like, but I came to you for my pelvic floor. I'm like, well, we can't address the vase we can't address the crooked race unless we address that one of the legs of the table is mm-hmm. like off exactly. because exactly. you're just going to keep addressing the vase over and over, but it's something beneath that. So, yeah. 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 And that, and that I usually, I, I got in trouble once when I was, I had a, a person observing me, like um, observing me practice and sure. I had a patient and, and so I was getting into like explaining to the person who was there observing. And I was like, and this person had a prolapse in diastasis. Okay. And I was like, I don't care about your diastasis. And, <laughs> like, wait. and I was like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I do care deeply about your diastasis, but what I care about more is putting your body in a position so that your diastasis can heal. Right. Exactly. And so if you know, it doesn't matter what the measurement is right now. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that you're coning right now because we can't do anything to your abs directly that are going to change, is going to change that. We have to change how the ribs are moving. We have to change how your hamstrings are anchoring your pelvis. We have to, you know, and, and so, so I sometimes come back to that. Like, I don't care about your prolapse, Yeah, (laughs) but I, but it's, it's, yeah, this idea of being able to look at the bigger picture and understand how it all works together. Yeah. I think that is, I think we're just so used to spot treating. We're so our society and the medical model is very, like we keep saying, but it's like, they give me, you know, I have this rash, I get this pill or I have this. And I'm not saying that, thank God we have pills and creams and Mm -hmm. surgeries. Like there is a place for all these things. It's just starting to work a little more holistically and starting to understand this idea of the body being connected. So I just, um, I'm teaching a teacher training right now, the body ready method. And we, Mm -hmm. our first week, we're talking about tensegrity and we're talking about 
this idea of fascial trains and this idea that everything's connected. So when I have like something that is go- showing up, it's, is it Ida Rolf that says it ain't where you think it is? Like it's mm-hmm. never, yeah. what, where, where you see the symptom is not where yeah. you should maybe start. Yeah. And I don't even think all PTs get that or all yeah. anyone. They're like, <laughs> you know, I don't, when I started working in this industry, I don't know how long you've been, um, you've probably been doing at least as long, if not longer than me. Um, there was still in the PT world. So I'd always, cause I always send people to see a PT along with me. Um, and I would ask them what the PTs would do and 10, nine times out of 10, it was take a towel and wrap it around the core and pull the abs together and crunch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. What's your thought? <laughs> We're getting better, but it's yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. I mean, any industry, it just takes a while maybe to like get yeah. out of old habits. Mm-hmm. I think there's this like 80, 20 rule. Yeah. And maybe in, is that 80% are going to pro- providers are just going to be doing their job, going to work, doing their thing. And they're doing good work. Yeah. It's not that they're yeah. not doing yeah. good work. And sure. then there's like this other percentage of providers who are like, you know, who are just really, really into it. <laughs> like we're like, oh, the public floor. And, yeah. And like, and super intense. And so sometimes it takes some time to find that right. provider for you. And I think what's been really cool about the internet and, yeah. and if, if we can say that there's been a cool thing about COVID is that it's allowed um, those people to um, be more available uh, yeah. to it, no matter where you, or no matter where you're at. Um, that's amazing about the internet I'm really grateful sometimes I'm like oh the internet like trying to get my kids off of screen time and making sure that they they don't get too much and their brains don't melt and yeah yeah but it it is a lot of work to keep up with all of the new all of the new things yeah but but that's it's really exciting and it's really exciting um you know hopefully you know, through your program and, and all that, there there becomes more of us. There needs to be more of us who are, who are this excited about the whole body. Yeah. I think I love the more people that are talking about this online in their own unique way, the better. So I never see like, Oh, look at the competition. Oh, bring it on, bring everyone on. Like if you're a professional, I don't care if you're a pelvic floor, maybe your thing is hypnobirthing. That's the next interview I have coming up um, is hypnobirthing. Like whatever your unique thing is that you are passionate about, like put it out there because Mm -hmm. the world needs your unique spin on. And that's how I feel about the pelvic floor too. And PTs and OTs and exercise people like we're all doing this work and that benefits the people that we serve the prenatal postnatal population for us, like that we, we love. So, yeah, I think when I first started this, my husband was reading, um, infinite mind. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's like infinite mindset. Yeah. Add it, find it. And we'll add it to the show notes. And, um, it's this idea of like the, the, your mission has to, is, isn't just, I need to see this many patients. I need to make this much money. The the mission is every single person who is dealing with these problems alone and feeling like there's no hope or not understanding what's going on in their body. 
needs to understand and this information needs to get out there and so it it changes everything when you start thinking that way it changes like you will you take opportunities you say yes to things and then all of a sudden you are you know doing it and then all of a sudden and and that's been that's been really really fun I think um and I've been you know thankful that he's been my husband's been supportive of me just like going rogue. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I've, I've been rogue for, <laughs> for a while. So it was, it's really funny. I'll have to share my journey sometime, but like it, it's been like, I realized that I almost, my husband, um, works, worked in higher ed for a long time. And he's like, Lindsay, you made your own like PhD program. You made your own master's program. Like you did all this work. And he's like, cause he did, he did, has done a lot of higher education as well. And he's like, I don't know. I just, I just don't want to ever stop learning about this stuff. There's always more to know. And I find that if somebody thinks they know everything there is to know, then they probably don't know a lot because the more, you know, the more, you know, that you don't know. (laughs) And then people get this imposter syndrome. Like, well, I don't want to, there's more to know. I can't put my work online or I can't. And you and me are like proof of like, just go for it. Just do it. Just be silly on Instagram. If it helps people learn about their pelvic floor. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I joke, I'm like one, if I make myself laugh, that's a win. So cool. (laughs) And if, if one person benefited from that post, then amazing. One person said, you know what, maybe I should get see a public floor PT, like amazing. That's, then that's a win. And so say there's a couple people who disagree with your perspective or, you know, and then like, fine, I don't care. Go. Yeah, I know. I'm working on it. I'm actually reading a really good, good book called the imposter cure uh-huh. because it does feel weird. It's very vulnerable to put your work out there for mm-hmm. people to judge. Mm-hmm. But I am at the point where I'm like, but it, I don't care because this is going to help people. So I'm just going to show up and online. It's so weird to like put your face online, but I guess we both are just like, whatever, show up and keep show up and serve, show up and serve. Yeah, exactly. I think the, when I was postpartum with my first, I was following like all the wrong accounts. I was following like all these like fitness influencers who had had around the same time as me. And I was just like, I had, I got off completely. I like was like, I can't look at this. Like I'm feeling. And so, so when I started this, really started ramping up after I had my second son. So I was like, I'm just going to be who I am. That's amazing. And and also because it was a way for people who were considering pelvic floor physical therapy to see like, when you come in, like, this is who I am. And if you want to work with me, then then you know me already. And that is especially with pelvic health and sort of the nature of our exams and internal exams. It's like, if you already kind of know what I'm like, and, um, then it, it sometimes helps break that, that barrier. And, and normally if someone messages me and they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm nervous about going to pelvic floor PT. I'm like, I'm usually like, yeah, most of us are really pretty cool people because we want to help you. Yes. <laughs> and we, we want to, and we look at a lot of vulvas and yours is not <laughs> going to stand out. I promise. You know, That's so funny. You know, I have to tell you a story with that uh-huh. just for fun. I mm-hmm. went to a new, like I was dropping my son off at a new preschool. We moved to it. Like we moved to the suburbs from the city, whatever. And I walked in and one of my doula clients from like three, four years ago 
like her baby was the, almost the same age as my baby. And they were uh-huh. in the same class. And she later was like, oh my gosh, Lindsay, see my vagina. And I was like, I don't remember. Like, I don't think, I don't like look at you and think like yeah, anything. Like, I don't remember if you had hair, no hair. Like, I don't care. Like maybe, yeah. they're, they're, you know, like a vagina, I, vulva, whatever. I always tell my clients before they, like if, if they're feeling nervous or whatever, and I'm like, when, when we learn this, when public floor PTs learn this stuff, we learn it on each other in a big classroom. Yeah. So there's like a lot of us, you know, (laughs) in our sheets, like walking around with no pants on and you're changing partners and you're like doing all this stuff. And then you'll sometimes have something interesting and 10 people will come over and like, look. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so by the end of that, you start to become really, really comfortable. Um, but I joke like the first lab, the first lab you ever do, everyone's really nervous and buttoned up. And then by the end of that, like four days, you're walking around Winnie the Pooh style with like no pants on and just, just like, like don't whatever. even care. Yeah. <laughs> it's so like right when, after you give birth, yeah. I remember I was very like nervous about showing my body the first time. And mm-hmm. then afterwards you're like, someone help me wipe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I don't care. I always, mm-hmm. I always think it's funny right after you give birth because you really don't care. At least I didn't care. I was like, whatever. Like I just had a baby, like my shirt's off. So for my nursing and I'm bleeding yeah. and it's very vulnerable, but that's why it's so important to have people around you that you feel, you feel comfortable yeah. with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That plays into like the whole nervous system and being able to right. access your parasympathetics and all. Totally. Yeah. Okay. I want to, there's one question I really wanted to ask you. So I want to ask you your thought on returning to fitness. So then maybe this is a big answer, but let's say someone's a runner and running is like, cause I get this question a lot too. Running is like their thing, Mm -hmm. whether it's even just mentally, like I want to go out for a run. So Mm -hmm. how do you get someone to safely return to something that they love? That's maybe more high impact so that they don't cause issues. So, so as, as a former, you know, athlete, yeah. what you ideally your rehabilitation then from that, from birth is going to immediately incorporate things that are going to help you reach your goal. And that's going to help you reach your goal as quickly and as safely as possible. So, um, so, you know, getting good running shoes, maybe even doing your exercises in your shoes, um, so that you feel like, okay, (laughs) step one, shoes on. Um, then, um, then all of the extra, so, uh, running is gate and gate is, is complicated for the pelvic floor because it needs to know how to alternate. It needs to be able to go to one side and then the other side and then alternate and not get stuck in a forward position that it's been in all of pregnancy. So then immediately we're working on things that teach that pelvis how to alternate in order to meet that goal of successfully transferring load from side to side while you run. And so there's the things that we do are going to look a lot more like running because that's our goal. And that's right. individualized care. Someone who is a power lifter, what we do right from the beginning is going to look a lot more like powerlifting so that they feel like they've, we've been building to this, to this movement, or if it's CrossFit and there's all sorts of movements, then, you know, then we're, we're picking all sorts of movements. It's, um, so it, that's, that's really the, the beauty. So it's like of- you're doing it unloaded. So maybe like running, you do, you do like a lift one knee type 
Yep. Yep. So, so there's a couple of different tests that I do, um, that evaluate someone's ability to move through the gate cycle effectively. Um, and so we're going to use that test and say, okay, in this phase of gate, in early stance phase of gate, you're having a hard time coordinating your adductor and your glute meat mm-hmm. with your ab wall on that side. Yeah. So our exercises are going to look like that. And, and, um, we're going to incorporate these three muscles or these group of muscles, because we can tell based on our testing, that's where we're kind of lacking. And so that's how I, how I break down. That's um, so good. And can everyone see, like, let's say you're a professional or a birthing person or a, a parent, you can see like individualized care from someone like a PT who can see this adductor is weak. That's not something that you have the time or mental space to probably know. You shouldn't. Right. You're an expert at something no. else. Yeah. Like yeah. let the expert be and the OB even. So I have a lot of OBs in my family, I have friends, OBs, midwives, and they always say, like, we are experts on a different thing. We yeah, are not absolutely. experts on the pelvic floor. I think a lot of the ones I've talked to said we got one day of pelvic floor in yeah. all of medical school. Yeah. And so they aren't necessarily, you shouldn't expect your doctor to be the expert on everything. No, uh, no, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and so it, it's, if your doctor or your midwife is not giving you that referral, you should take it on yourself and, you know, become a good advocate for your own health. And mm-hmm. you can see, maybe don't just start running, get a right. check. It's yep. going to make you, And I always say like, if you really love that sport or that activity or whatever it is, you want to make sure that you can return to it safely. Because if you return to running and then you cause an issue, you're going to be out so much longer. It's about longevity and it's yeah. about, yeah, it's about, it's, it's so sometimes it's a, it feels slow or it yeah. feels annoying, but a setback is way worse. So much worse. I know. <laughs> and, and it's harder to, it's harder to recover from an injury that's already occurred than prevent the injury from happening in the first place. Yeah. I think, I think like, it's like what we talked about before is that presenting this as an opportunity to be even better than you were before. So I, between my two kids, my core was stronger than it had ever been. And because it was an opportunity to change patterns that I had ingrained for, for a long time as an extension based sort of volleyball player who um, didn't necessarily had pelvic problems, but had a lot of back and SI joint issues. Well, volleyball spiking? Did you have yeah. a did you, did you have a tight sacro tuberous ligament? Oh my yeah. gosh! Oh yeah! Like, oh yeah! Your chain. Yeah. I'm just thinking so. that's like one of those you know when you have to arch the back repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a volleyball player, but I'm assuming there's some yeah. back arching involved. Oh yeah! Oh my <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. So so lots of lots of things to, to work through in terms of every sport about a body and, and like having, yeah, like having that opportunity to really, um, start from zero, um, was really cool. And, and even more so this time it it just happened faster this time because I was already in a good, good place. And so, um, and so yeah, it's, it is, it is, it is a cool opportunity. And I think, um, it's sometimes hard to feel that way when you're feeling bad about your, how your body looks or you're feeling yeah. bad about maybe how your birth went. And so, um, right. and so it's just sort of starting to reframe that a little bit 
a little bit more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember when I had, so I had SI pain during one of, I think my third, it was my third pregnancy. You know, it's like the issues of pregnancy aren't pregnancy issues. They're an unstable frame. And then you add a pregnancy and the pregnancy is just almost like the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. It's just adding a lot to it. And so I actually was able to trace back that pain to some instabilities from being an alpine ski racer. Like mm -hmm. I had a lot of weakness in certain areas, a lot of tension in other areas that was just causing a lot of misalignment of my pelvis. And so mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm so screwed up. I remember when I was kind of in a bad place with it, I was like, this is what I help people with. Why do I have pain? Yeah, like, well, we all it, have stuff. Well, and I think as a professional, you're ourselves, it's very difficult to be objective in our own body. Oh, and yeah, so absolutely. like I, uh, my, my good friend and sort of podcast co-host Addie, like we treat each other because Amazing. yeah, we need our own help. Like we can't see, we can't always see everything in, in our own body. And it's so important absolutely. to take care of our own bodies so that we can keep doing the work that we want to do. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's, it's hard being a PT chiropractor, doula, midwife, OB, mm -hmm. like these are very physically active jobs. So mm -hmm. we're talking about this for, you know, treating, helping your clients get care. But if you're a professional and you're listening to this and you're bending over someone and squeezing their hips or delivering a baby all day, you probably have some stuff that a PT or an exercise physiologist or an OT that you could get support with. And I actually work with a lot of midwives and midwives are perpetually, I will say this, have perpetual psoas issues because I, my, my theory is, and this is, thank God I'm not a midwife. I love the midwives, but I don't want that. I don't want that, um, responsibility of like the safety of the birther and the baby. I'm glad someone else has that, but I think that must come with some like fight or flight. Like you're in this state of your nervous system is in this very hyper aroused state and that's mm -hmm. going to come with some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I tell people like, it's okay to be in these states. Yeah. It's just not okay to live there. Right. And it's hard to and, get, you have to hard. be able to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, very well, cool. this is super fun and I yeah. feel like we could nerd out about the pelvic floor all the time. We'll have to grab yeah. some drinks again. Yeah. Um, so tell everyone before we go, where they can connect with you best. And we will add all of this to the show notes as well. Yeah. So, so I'm probably most active on Instagram and my handle is at Haley Kava PT. Um, but I also have a podcast called the don't beat around Amazing. the Bush podcast. Love it. <laughs> and that was a working title for a while, but we decided to go for it. Um, and it's my, um, friend and fellow pelvic floor PT, Addie Holzman and I, um, really kind of having conversations like this, honestly, cool. about some clinical, some personal, we tell a lot of our own personal stories about, uh, issues that we had and our own journeys. And, um, it is really, it is really fun. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for coming. We will talk again soon. Everyone check out Haley on Instagram for reels are amazing. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Pros Talk Pregnancy, the podcast. We are passionate about making the childbearing years better. And as professionals, when we work together, that is when we see the greatest shifts. So thank you for being here with us. Please consider leaving us a rating and a review. This really helps us to get this important paradigm shifting information out there to those who need it. 
Also, if you are a game-changing perinatal or birth professional, or you know someone who is and would be interested in coming on the podcast, we want to hear from you. Please reach out at podcast at bodyreadymethod.com. As always, I am so honored to be here with you. See you next time.